You're listening to That's the Industry Podcast, episode number 21. Real quick, before we get into this episode, I just wanted to take this moment to thank you so much for the people who listened to my previous episode about why I left Los Angeles. I was so scared to record it, so scared to release it, and then so scared to share it on social because it was just a very hard story for me to tell. And I got a crazy response. I got all these messages and I just wanted to thank everybody who listened to the entire episode. It truly means more than you'll ever know. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. And today's episode is actually interesting because the guest I'm talking to today, uh, we are talking about how to move to Los Angeles, the odd jobs we had in Los Angeles, and what you basically need to do to survive Los Angeles. You're going to love it. Here we go. You're listening to That's the Industry with Thomas Jordan. That's the Industry with Thomas Jordan. The podcast that takes you inside all the aspects of the entertainment industry. Directly from the people who are making it happen. And now, your host, Thomas Jordan. What's going on, everyone? Thomas Jordan here for another episode. Today, we are joined by actress host and WWE correspondent Sarah Schreiber. You may have seen her on Monday Night Raw. What is going on, Sarah? I'm so glad to have you back. You recently posted a a conversation we had maybe two years ago, and I was like, no, 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 let's do this again. I love it. You and I are the only ones who know that. So those of you who haven't heard her episode, I believe it was episode 18. That was from two years ago, but between all of us listening right now on the wall, that happened just like the other day. Okay, got it, got it, got it. My bad. But you know what? It feels like it's gone in a day. So let's that's the honesty right there. Yeah. Time goes by it- in a second. Yes, and the transparency is real. So you and I are both in basically kind of the same field, and I know you have a way more acting experience than I do. But um, to be in this industry, you know, a lot of people find themselves migrating to Los Angeles or New York because they are the biggest hubs for entertainment. And today we're going to be talking about how to actually move to Los Angeles, what to brace yourself for, and maybe see you know some of the ups and downs that people don't really talk about. So I'm really curious to see and hear kind of where you started and how you got to LA. Well, last time we spoke, we spoke a little bit. I I started in musical theater. So I grew up just 10 miles outside New York City. And you know, like for me, that was the mecca of entertainment, but basically because I was looking at my career as theater. And as we now know, I am am working in uh, sports theater. So it's sports entertainment, but there's a lot in between and uh, a lot of moving. I mean, I lived in New York to Miami to Los Los Angeles back to Florida, which was super unexpected and really shocked what the entertainment industry had to offer me in Florida. But I would never have got there if I didn't have my journey through New York and Los Angeles. But basically, I grew up going to New York for commercials, for modeling jobs. I love how I had to preface that actually, because I am at five foot three. But you know what? There is commercial print that they need those lifestyle shots <laughs> for everything. Don't be modest. You're walking the runway at five three. It's possible. I have a very proud moment. I walk the runway in a wedding dress. Two things my uh, I never saw coming in my like my recent uh, career or life. So that was actually in Los Angeles. It was actually one of the coolest moments, but also really nerve wracking because I was in sample size gowns and they obviously are for the taller type. So I'm in a high heel. I'm at a slippery runway. It's a lot more effort and nerves than you expect. So anywho, I was doing anything that New York had to offer me. Uh, I worked on Letterman, but I was primarily looking at my career as I love musical theater. It fills my soul. It is why I'm in the entertainment industry. It's when you you say, if you see yourself doing anything else, go do it. But if you don't, you have to stick to your guns and stick with where your heart is. And mine was always theater first. Ironically, with everything that's going on now with COVID-19, I don't know if we're speaking about that, but it has affected a lot of the industries. It's interesting where I really do want to go back to where my core is and do theater again and reconnect with that love just based off of, you know, you never know where life is going to take us. And uh, I would love to go back into theaters, basically. Moral of the story, I like to do more of those live events because it's so fulfilling. Um, But anywho, what I 
found the hardest when I got out of college, which was also during the financial crash of like early 2000s. So theater wasn't, it was booking a lot of reality show stars. They were really just trying to change the market that we all knew, right? Uh, did you graduate around that time-ish? Yeah, and it's still going on now where you see reality stars just popping up every so often. Yeah, because they know there's... It's just like Instagram. They're, they know the numbers there. No matter what, we know this is a business, correct? So uh, as I said, with musical theater, it was who I was. It, it Does that make sense? It was yeah. my heart. It was my heartbeat. And I loved it so much that when it became a business and career, it made it harder to brush off. And I am thick skinned. And like, that's what New York, I think, absolutely does to people. When you walk in the snow and the rain and the air conditioning drippings during the summer and you're running to an audition, sweating or freezing, you're like, oh, I, I definitely like, I feel a little, uh, I was in the elements in order for me to go sing and dance. And don't forget your bear foot walking uphill both ways as well. Oh my God, just absurdity. Uh, Just really pounding the pavement at its true essence. So at that time, I wasn't walking into auditions with that feeling of, I got this, I'm confident. After like six years of doing it and doing a lot of different things, getting opportunities regionally, getting opportunities internationally with tours and saying, I was born and raised in New York area. I'm going big or going home. I'm going for Broadway. And that was like where I was. But that's also like that early 20s arrogance that's kind of beautiful. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Where you're like, I am feisty. I'm going to take over. And then it's humbling in about five years. We were like, pardon me, but God damn it, this is really hard. And there's a lot of incredibly talented people that feel just like me. So I remember, I don't know if I told this story because I was, anyway, I I was teaching children on the side and directing and they were singing Climb Every Mountain and a Gershwin rendition. And I'm sitting in the front row crying and I'm like, I'm not supposed to be a teacher right now. I'll get to that again because I did love it. It was very fulfilling. And that's when I knew I had to move to Los Angeles. I had to change up. I feel like that's a huge move too, because you're going from sunny or excuse me, you're going from snow to sun pretty darn quick. Uh, Did you drive or fly out there? First and foremost, I want to say I went to school in Miami. So I already had the taste of sunshine. And it's so hard to go back to the, what is it? The urban jungle? What do we call it? Uh, New York. Something like that. Yeah. 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 No, no. It's like, anyway, I'm sure somebody will let us know what it actually is. I'm sure. Uh, concrete jungle. There you go. That's what makes sense. Yes. So after seeing like sunshine and knowing how much that affects people emotionally, specifically me, like the sunshine makes you want to go do things like whether it's active outside or else it's just like get up go when you have the gloom and doom for about four or five months in new york seasonal depression is a hard thing to come like i really truly believe in it to make sure you like don't just hibernate in our business we have to put some uh, every day we have to do something that'll move our career forward because if we don't somebody else is doing it you know exactly yeah and seasonal depression (laughs) i thought was like a mental state. I went through it when I uh, was doing news out in Oregon. And they told me, they're like, hey, it's going to be cloudy and rainy for the next like four or five months, just FYI. And I'm like, yeah, okay. They're like, no, seasonal depression is real. And I'm like, (laughs) okay. Wait, wasn't there like, yeah, certain places like recommend even like tanning booths or sunlight? So yes. So it's funny you say that people, yes, people had like those special lights or these tanning bed things in their house. So they made sure they got their vitamin D. But yeah, it hit me one day. I woke up. I felt so bad. It was just super long story short. They sent me out to a story in Corvallis, which is near uh, Oregon State University. And I come around this bend to go over the hill and the sunshine hits me. And it's like Jesus himself is like, (laughs) yo, like wake up. So and I told him, you know, I told him that when I got back to the station, they're like, well, did you get any vitamin D? And I was like, no, I thought that was just a mindset thing. And he's like, nah, dude, it's real. So seasonal depression is definitely real uh, for sure. So I can only imagine, but you just like, that's the thing I haven't been. So I always say, I said this in my last interviews, I've been to China, but I've never been to New York. So I don't know what it's like. I just see things and hear things I can only imagine. Like I said, getting to New York and LA, I either hear people, fly with one bag or they literally just pack up what they can in their car and head cross country. 
Well, what was great for me was that after I went to college, I grew up 10 miles from New York City. There was great buses. There was a great train system. When I, I'll never forget when um, I moved, when I was in Los Angeles, I came back home and I jumped on a bus to New York and I forgot how easy it was. On Good Friday, let me just say it was Good Friday, so the traffic wasn't as bad. It took me 10 minutes from the bus to Port Authority from my house. So I was like, the convenience there, if I really, really did love New New Jersey and New York City. I, I loved growing up there. I don't want to live there, but if I did, I would never have moved. I would have kept that house if I had uh, wanting to stay in that region because it was just so awesome how easy it was to get to New York City. Um, but for me, I didn't have much that I really had to worry about. I went from college back home, did the whole auditioning in New York uh, and then teaching and directing in New Jersey. So I stayed home for those couple years, which first and foremost, economically was the most intelligent thing I could do while pursuing my career that I loved. So at that time, I didn't have much. I had really, I had a car and a bicycle that I really, and clothes that I worried about getting out there. But it was, it's one of those times where I don't even remember the prep of, in my mind, deciding I was going to LA. I just remember being like, okay, I'm going to LA and then just made it happen. Does that make sense? Like, I don't even remember questioning it. Yep. whatsoever. I knew it hit me. And then I figured out the, f- the first week I was there, I did a masterclass with a bunch of different uh, casting directors. So literally, I probably flew in, borrowed a friend's blow up mattress and slept on that blow up mattress for definitely like a month or at least the week that I was doing the masterclass. How about that? I'll say that. That was probably what it was. But basically, I got in that Sunday and I started that Monday with classes just because I felt like for me, just going for it. If, you, if you're if you so busy, you don't have time to stop and be like, what's going on? What am I doing? And that's when you get in your head. Like, I feel like keep yourself busy with being proactive. I also like made a list of multiple people that I knew out there, whether I was really close, whether they were entertainment connection from somebody else. Uh, I made a list and sent emails before I went out there too. Even though I sound type A, I'm really not. It was just what I needed to do to get out there. No, and that's huge because that's advice that I still give till today is being prepared like that. Like reach out to as many people as humanly possible just to see if they know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who lives out there. That way you are not just completely by yourself. And when you get out there, you're just like a deer in headlights, like, uh, where do I go? Where do I live? Yeah, one of my buddies that I grew up with. I mean, we did uh, Wizard of Oz in the high school musical when we were both in like elementary school. That's how I met him, Paul Fiore. We were both like munchkins, like baby kids, like probably like third grade, second grade. And that's how long I knew him that at 24, 25, I moved out to LA or so. Uh, He was like, hey, my roommate's moving out or I'm moving out from uh, leaving my roommate. You should take my spot. And that's all it took because he was pushing me for the two years in a row. You should come out here. We have a sketch. We'll do lots of work together. And then finally said, hey, I'm moving out. You should take my place in this apartment. And I said, cool, let's do it. But that's what I'm saying. Like, you just got to keep, and I feel like even if you hit a wall there, you just keep going down that rabbit hole. But also another fun fact is I'm going to add it to my list. You said, I hear the blow up mattress story all the time. I feel like everybody has the blow up mattress story. So how if you long don't you have ha- it? How long you've had it. Like, so you're, whether it when you first get there or if you're in transition in some type of move, because when you live out there, you tend to move around a lot. It's like you almost have to adopt this like minimalist mentality because I'm telling you, I can't imagine what it's like moving in New York, but moving in LA is awful. I've moved so many times. It's awful. So many stories. I'd moved so much as well. And it's interesting you say that because I was very minimalist all throughout Los Angeles when, because I probably moved probably five times or so. I was there for seven years. And uh, now I finally created a home and I'm coming to the end of my lease here and I'm still renting, but I did was thinking about uh, buying recently, which is a wild concept because I never in my career from New York to LA even, you know, worried or, or, or put it in my plans. But here I know that Florida is creating more of a home. I was like, oh my gosh, I made a home. And that's rare because I was used to being a transplant and moving constantly and I was fine with it. But it kind of made me sad. I was like, I have a lot of beautiful pictures on my wall. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's Yeah, it's great. I'm sure and I'm taking you've started uh, accumulating things again. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, that's, that's the difference is now I have 
things. And like, they're all different. Like I have like, a, I'm looking at right now, I have a brand new rug, but the other things in my home are all second hand that I got when I moved to Florida. My parents came down and helped me shop because I start, I went right to work and I was doing Gemporia, which was a live show, four hours on air. It was like, I was sucked of energy. I was like a prune every time after those shows. But my parents were like, we'll come down. We'll help, we'll help you like figure out things. I mean, honestly, I had this place that was probably 900 square feet, probably fully furnished with secondhand shop uh, stuff for about $700. No doubt, like really impressive stuff. I'm not kidding. Some of them is kind of true old fashioned Florida, but I kind of like my heart like loves it. It's so, you know what I'm talking about? Like the 60s, yeah. 70s grandma's house furniture being like, oh, that's charming, but is it fashionable? Please tell me that your couch is either plastic wrap or no. has like flowers no, on it, no, like no. the beach, you know, where you no, see in those beach condos. Oh, completely. No, I, it's my lamps that are very like art deco and like kind of muted kind of rose, like a rose color. But I do have this really funny painting that my mother bought and she like loves old Victorian for her house. I'm like, mom. And at that time I was like, I am a single woman. I can't have an <laughs> old Victorian lady dressed in lace, like hanging and it's huge. It's like three feet by three feet. I don't know if it's that big, <laughs> and I, but, uh, and, I'm, and I, I have it in my room and I call her Barbara because she's looking towards the future. I just can't get give away things that my mom have give, has like gotten for me because I have guilt. I have guilt. I have maternal guilt. Yeah, that and you know, it's, it, it automatically has sentimental value for sure. But before we give too much attention to Barbara, who who I <laughs> like when you move to L.A., I feel like, you know, even if you hit the ground running and you, you know, you have all these people that, that you start to build in a network, it can be very tough financially. Uh, when you moved to LA, do you remember how much money was in your bank account? Like I said, I was lucky to be, you know, working as a director teacher. So I was making some money in Jersey at a, at a professional theater and then, you know, having gigs here and there. But what really changed things was kind of like a guardian angel who really set my career moving forward. Like, honestly, I couldn't do it, have done it without my great aunt who never had children or anything left a bunch of my cousins and I and, and parents some money, like really shocking, you know, where you just didn't even realize this person had anything had to the extent she had, you know, but that's what happens when you don't have children. But uh, $10,000. There you go. That's usually the number I tell people. I usually yeah. tell people anywhere between okay, five and 10, which I wasn't sure. I was like, for me, I was like, oh, you know, that is a lump sum of money to be like, okay, I can live, I can get out there. And but it's amazing how quick money goes very quick and mm -hmm. you know and once again la if you don't have roommates i mean you're talking minimum i would say mid i we got i found a deal in hollywood but i was living with two other guys and you know it, it was under a thousand but i know and this is in the middle of hollywood which is not good uh misconception about hollywood you i know, agree I feel like, like that's a hundred percent what i would tell like i i tried one year just in hollywood and that's all i i moved right out it was just yeah i lived right below Runyon Canyon, which was a great location for some people. But for me to be proactive and like where I lived, it just wasn't, it wasn't my scene. I realized I'm a true suburb girl growing up outside New York. I like jumping in the chaos, but I like being home and knowing I'm at like my energy can drop and I can relax. I couldn't agree more. And that's, that was, that kind of hit me quick too. Cause I felt, you know, when you move to Hollywood, you're like, Ooh, the glitz, the glam, the, the celebrity and da, 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 da. And hey, it you stinks. Know. It it's stinks in Hollywood. <laughs> it's so bad. Like it is so bad. Uh, I think I may have you beat. I know where you're talking about. I was right up the street from the Arcolite. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. on North Cahuenga you know, like, in Santa a Monica. Place right over there. House yeah, but we didn't. Oh no, 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 like, not oh, that the way. Palladium. Oh uh, no, not that way either. It was right, just. Okay, it was so right was, like yeah. a, Amoeba. Do you remember where Amoeba Records is? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's even, isn't it going out of I don't of even know if it's there. Either way, it's not yeah. good. You're always looking over your shoulder. The homeless yeah. people there were like the walking dead. It freaked me out. But uh. yeah, no, I'm like you. I'm like the sub more suburbia. So as far as like where to actually move, I know in Hollywood and Koreatown are popular just because they're cheaper, but you're, it's going to be a little dirty. 
Just FYI. So, so I, but if you're, I came from New York, so I was like, I can handle it, but nah. So anywho, I, I was very lucky and I had an up, I got to, I moved to Venice Beach, which has its own kind of beach community. So bougie. Where it just, no, Venice Beach is not bougie. <laughs> I know, like, I'm it just, just joking. Like it just felt like marijuana everywhere you turned. I don't even know how you could be in a car and be like, I smell pot. How does it just, <laughs> it comes through this, the, the uh, air vent. Anywho. Um, uh, no, I, uh, I, it's funny because I ended up living with a guy that I went to like Sunday school with, uh, Steve Reiner, great guy, very nice, wasn't in the business. But remember I told you my friend Paul Fiore, who was in the business, moved out. And the whole thing, how I got to tell my parents, and my parents aren't super strict, but obviously would like me to have a female roommate uh, if they don't mm. know the guy. But uh, I was like, mom, he's free. I went to elementary school with him, high school. Uh, we went to CCD together, like nice guy. And it was probably one of the best roommate situations I've ever had. Because I don't know, living with a guy is, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was better than living with another woman. Because you felt safer, maybe? No, I think women just want to talk too much. <laughs> women are difficult to live with. Don't, and I'm not like, and I'm not like OCD about cleanliness. And if we do the dishes, we'll get the dishes. And like, I think I live maybe more like a guy. It was just easy going. Yeah, well, at least he's not like stealing your clothes and trying on your shoes at night. I, you know, yeah. I mean. No, no, he was uh, great. So one time really quick, I, I ran out of the house for like an audition and it was, I don't even want to say this out loud, but it was probably one of the first times I ever did dishes in a dishwasher. Shame on me. <laughs> I feel like every other place I lived in, other than my house that I grew up in, was like, you know, even in college, you had to wash everything by hand. So I did the dishes in the house and I used the dishwasher detergent that you use when you wash in the sink. I put it no. in the dishwasher and no. we had, I could send you a picture. We had a foam party. He wrote to me like, I, I'm like right out of the house and he had walked in and there's foam everywhere. Like it is oh. no joke. Like it wasn't just a little bit underneath. The entire kitchen was covered. And he just threw towels down. He's like, "Good job, driver." And that's oh how my. a guy deals with something. Oh yeah. Oh man, that cuz that's something you see in like movies or you see in commercials or like, "Oh, oops, I put it in." No, you actually did that. I did it. I oops. <laughs> yeah, that makes a great story. Yeah. And and it's interesting because Venice is suit like Venice is interesting because they film a lot down there. So you see all like the artwork and you got the skaters and it's you know, it's featured a lot and then they clean it up a little jump. bit. White man can't yeah. jump. Come on. Exactly. We like go there's in so much we go in Sizzler. We go <laughs> Like and the guy on the rollerblades with the electric guitar, the Rasta guitar guy, he was still down there at that time. Yeah. It's but the thing yeah, but the thing it's not that bad of an area and you've got like a lot of artsy people down there, but it ain't Hollywood. I'm like you where I, you know, I mean I'm God, I lived I feel like I lived everywhere. I did Hollywood, I did Studio City, you know, I, I did a little bit in Huntington Beach, I did some Santa Clarita, I worked up there, and that's very suburbia out there too, but holy smokes it's hot out there. So I loved being near the beach and if if and if I ever was to ever bring me back out there and I don't think it will I think my time in Los Angeles it has happened and I'm very happy I did it when I did mid to late 20s was a perfect time for me. I think you still have the chutzpah, the energy to do the hustle there uh, at that time, but you're also more intelligent in the business side of things cuz you learn from your t- early 20s arrogance. <laughs> That's what I would say. And you're grown up enough to say I won't get caught up in this scene because it is a scene and you need to work there. You cannot just go out and there's a lot of people out there. Just go do the scene. And if you do the scene all the time, you're not there to make a career. It's so true. Even with like odd jobs around LA, you know, not only do you have to, you know, go on auditions all day and do your, what you're there to do when those bills, those bills start coming in fast. And when your rent is 1200 bucks and that kind of what you talked about, you went there with 10 grand, let's just say your rent, if you're lucky is anywhere between a thousand to 1200 bucks. Well, that's first and last. So that's, you're Mm -hmm. already at 2400 plus the security deposit, which is another 1200 plus your food and like parking and well that's why you get somebody that's already been there for a few years so then you just come in and you just start paying the rent exactly so so i i slipped in great with a situation that i knew somebody so it made it so 
so much easier. Um, I loved Venice, but it was very far from a lot of a lot of the action. So in my opinion, my biggest thing would be is like you have to get used to being in the car that much and be okay with uh, driving. I think there's a lot of people that uh, you want to be convenient to everything, but like show up to your friend's theater thing, be active and just drive. You got to do it. You can't be lazy. You can't be lazy in this business whatsoever, and especially in that city. And I think that's huge. It's like community is huge. As mm-hmm. big as that city is, you find good people. Well, first of all, good people are hard to find. And mm-hmm. once you find them, you will latch on to them for dear life. You really do. And like the thing is, is though, when you do find a core group of people, everybody's career path and like is going to go differently. So when one of your buddies does have a good pop in his like, everybody feeds off of each other's success. And even, you know, and I, that's how good people traditionally are. But like, say, for example, I was doing theater. I was in a 30 minute musicals and we would do spoofs of different, sh- of, uh, different shows like Home Alone and, and, and uh, Top Gun. And one of the guys that uh, Tom Lang, he was one of the stars in one of the shows he couldn't make it to uh, e-news called him to do something on on tv and he recommended me because he couldn't do it but like that's the kind of community i think you have to build on people that think of you and your talent and that's representing yourself well as well right of your how you work your work ethic but also your attitude people want to work with you and and you know that's kind of what i i think It, it comes in waves when somebody has success it comes back back and forth and hopefully you can help each other out. No, I, I couldn't agree with that more. Um, but <laughs> as I was mentioning, like what were some of your uh, odd jobs while, while you were in Los Angeles? Okay, so odd jobs that I've had in general since New York. Uh, yeah, I New was, York I was counts just too. talking about it because this continued into LA. I was a shoe model. There you go. So because my foot is a six and a half, six, six and a half, seven, it's a sample size. And so I was able to go to these shoe shows, they would call it for, so uh, the buyers from like Nordstrom's or Macy's or Ross would come to these different studios like uh, Jessica Simpson, uh, BCBG, Vince Camuto, and they'd want to see the shoe on. And I would model shoes. And they were the greatest companies. And it was such a good gig. One of the times I went to Victoria's Secret studio, Victoria's Secret Pink, and they had me try on a moccasin and tell them how it felt. And I thought I was there for an audition. And then I got like a check that I was like, I was there for 10 minutes. Oh, whatever. I'm just going to say, I just think about how much work and effort I give in like my career with like studying my for my BFA and all this stuff. And then I tried on a shoe for 10 minutes and told them that, oh, it feels nice. I would have given <laughs> more like, detail. Yeah, sign me up for that because, you yeah, know, was, I'm sure oh that. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was funny. so funny. And then, um, I don't know, basically I was doing a lot of, they hire a lot of actors for conferences, for conventions, because this is what I think. You're on your feet all day. You're under fluorescent lighting, talking to people for eight hours straight. There's no one that can humanly do that. And that's why they hire actors, because we can act like we're not dying inside based off those hours (laughs) of doing that. So there's so many performers that I know do convention work. And also, I think that performers know how to hold themselves and present themselves well, because based off of auditions, every day we're judged on that. So I think that uh, well-spoken and charismatic, and they hire actors for that. And I've done all different from cars to shoes. Uh, I've worked at a, a veterinary, like a vet animal conference. I did a, a conference at a um, vending machine conference. Got like just the wildest things. They were great I feel as like well. you were... I feel like you get the cool stuff. I had like, Uh I had like the gritty jobs, man. Uh (laughs) Like my first job in LA was a valet at the Mondrian Hotel. Oh god, and you could you could really get to know some people doing that. Jeez, oh, like the, the, that, the, the like people that really represent that market. Oh, oh. Oh, yes. And it's so funny because that was my first hint of like how much of California is like a little bit of smoke and mirrors. For those who don't know, the Mondrian Hotel is on Sunset Boulevard, very swanky and swanky. And the cars that would pull up, I mean, every supercar, you know, we had Ferraris, Lambos, I mean, Mercedes, like all these big cars. But it was so funny because <laughs> you'd get in these cars, people trashed them, all the lights were on, you know, the 
there was no gas in it. You know, they like give me five bucks to go around the corner to put five dollars worth of gas in the supercar. I'm like, you guys are this isn't is probably a lease. Like it was crazy. But I actually that, that is my first- a real like that's that's tough if that's like your first experience with Los Angeles because that would bother me. Like I think that's something where like first and foremost, how people treat people that are what staff, would you- I guess, yeah. or just like like employee, I, yeah. Because even being a waitress there, they're it, it, having how people treat others. Oi, I couldn't even fathom what you. Probably yeah, it was, had to but it was suck up. Yeah, but it, but it, did we bite, did get did to you bite your tuck, tongue multiple times. A hundred percent. There was times one, that you wanted to just let them hear it. Oh. Well, there's like little, there's like little things people do. I mean, if you've ever seen the movie, wait. So (laughs) I never did these things, but it's interesting because when you work in certain industries, you know, it's like, well, first of all, be a good person, but don't mess with people who mess with your stuff. Like they would treat us so bad, but it's like, you're treating us bad, but you're giving me your keys to your $250,000 supercar. Like it's how people people in the service industry is really, it blows my mind because because like I said, this wasn't me. I did not do these things, but there are certain things valets do to people's cars when they are not very nice. Is it, a, is it be... a documentary? What is that? I've never heard it. It should no, it should be though. <laughs> you said you said no, wait? No, waiting. Oh. I'm sorry. Oh, I, yeah, God. I got waiting oh, I like, like the that movie. Would be so funny. Okay. Got it. No, but I mean, no, there's videos of people like whipping cars around, like parking it so where another person <laughs> might ding it. It reminds or, me of uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ex- that's exact. No, that's kind of, it's, it's just like that. Like, and of all the cars that I have parked, I have parked million dollar cars. The most fun car, I don't know why, was the, the supercharged Mini Cooper. That thing moves, man. That is like a little go kart. I love that car. I had I had a Mini Cooper. I had Mini Coopers. I like loved them. And then all of a sudden, oh god, I had a lease in LA, and then I moved to Florida. And Florida is a huge state. I drove my lease miles, forty thousand miles in one year, And, and I never and I never left Florida. Wow. So anyhow. But yeah, yeah. And then like, did you did you said you did the waitress thing too? Wait, being a waitress somewhere. It's so funny because I think there's people that like, I've had really good experiences. Like I enjoyed working as a waitress based off of the bosses were so good to me. I worked with Pearls uh, on Sunset Boulevard, which in itself is just ridiculous. Like working on Sunset Boulevard, Whiskey A Go-Go, Viper Room, all in that same area. Um, But this was like the trendy, it was supposed to be like, it was next to a Rock and Riley's an Irish pub. And this was like the female version of it, but with like oysters and mimosas, you get it. Like you, there's like a gar... Uh, a hidden garden with like a it was just but it was still a rooftop bar but just made a little bit more feminine uh than an irish pub but uh i had such great bosses that for me somehow i, I don't know how i got so lucky i would say you know it was funny because this is what happened is that i didn't know one of the owners and i saw him out one night and I, he said oh i'm opening up a new restaurant and i said oh i'd love to work and he's like oh i just thought you'd want to come and i was like no no i'd like to i would like some, <laughs> i would like some money coming in if you're opening one and i, I guess like he didn't see me wanting to do that and I was like no no I would love to but what I this is where I got lucky was that I said however if I have auditions and if I have other work that's going to benefit my career or is more money I need to take those jobs and I got very lucky that as long as you had someone covering your shifts that they allowed me to do that that is a very rare occasion that you have a very lenient boss and supportive boss because I felt they were very supportive of what I could do what I was allowed to do and uh, I'll never forget by the end of it they're like guest starring tonight as a waitress Sarah Schreiber like because they're like we haven't seen you in a month but that's the thing that was cool is like they let me come back for even one night they play the horn for you I know no And like, for me, there is nothing like being a server with getting cash at the end of the night. There will never be anything like a valet, just the same thing. When you walk out and said, I have this money in my hands currently, because I work jobs from for hosting and everything. And and this is when uh, they go through your agent. It would take three months to get some of these paychecks. 
They yep, had 90, that's how, 90 days. That's how, that's how it was with um, the station I was working at. 90 days. And uh, somebody in accounting flubbed and it was in an extra 90 days. I actually kind of lucked out. Thank God I was bartending at the time because they yeah. had penalty bay on top of it. So I was like, thank you. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's what another thing people don't realize about LA is it could be 30 to 90 days depending right. on what's going on to till you get paid. But like the service industry is huge too because that's the thing. You, like people, whether you've heard it or not, not like all these actors, they're like, oh, I'm always, you know, a uh, a server or a bartender. Or they've somehow they've worked in the service industry, and all the bar, all the bars I worked at, you couldn't do that. Like you think no, you've got this schedule that you can just work around, but no. Like yeah, they were very, very strict and, you know, so that's very lucky. And also, I mean, I was at Saddle Ranch on Sunset, which is right next to the, co- which <laughs> so is right next to the common. The guys that were owners of the place I worked at actually used to manage when they were younger Saddle Ranch, which like Saddle Ranch is the epitome of Hollywood. Yes. And I feel like though, everybody I talked to who is in the service industry, if you are going to go to LA, I feel like everybody somehow goes through through Saddle Ranch at some point in their career is whether they're working there or uh, they just pass on by. Um, But yeah, no, it was, that was some of my most fun time was bartending there. Uh, Even though the management sucked there. They but. Anywho, they're sorry so about bad that, that yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. J- just I FYI, felt, the uh, management there is terrible. But it was they probably, super. Did they party too? Were they party management? Or they were no, kind of no. They were just dude. They thought they were celebrities too. It right, just right. like the ego on some of these people. Oh, I want to call out the main guy so bad, but I'm not going to do it. Yeah, we're going to hold it back. <laughs> yeah, we're got to keep it classy. Got to keep it classy. Well, but yeah, you know, if you really think about it, the the fact is with Los Angeles, it's people that say it's a very selfish choice to go out there, right? So no matter what, whether it's selfish for us to go there, it's independent and selfish is kind of like, they kind of go hand in hand and that's, it's okay for you to be selfish in what you want in your career and your life, but then figure this is an entire city of a lot of people that aren't moving there based off of like family or they're going there to be like, I want to live this life the way I want to for me, right? So like that in itself, everyone thinks they're a little bit of somebody. So I should go to LA, right? Mm-hmm. And that's like another thing you deal with is ego, no matter what. Like, I would be surprised. Like, it's like you're the manager of a bar, right? And you think you are the Burger King, right? And then it's like you meet actors who, like, it's just it, like the ego with some of these people. I'm just like, oh, like, and that's okay. The thing you- that- that's very interesting and like you I've heard this from even like working on the red carpets is like people like George Clooney he's George Clooney because George, he and Ryan Gosling is a great example when you see them these guys are a when you see them on the red carpet those guys try as much to talk to as many people as they can they are a-list celebrities Tom Hanks even just following his Instagram they're people that are real people and genuine people that are humble and are grateful for the career they had and then there's these people that trickle down maybe B-list C-list and they you know, I feel like should be more grateful. And that was the thing that was the hardest for me, like coming from New York and pounding pavement and doing rehearsals for two weeks and working hard and putting authentic grit into everything I, that performers do there. I, my first feature film, which is funny because I just celebrated a six year anniversary of it going to Redbox. I did a film called Mommy Resurrected. It was such an experience. I can't even tell you. It was absurd. It was really quite absurd. Um, But we went to the desert filming and it was so cool. Like we had the trailer, we had all of it. Some of the women I worked with took it for granted, right? Well, shouldn't the makeup artist shouldn't the makeup artist be side just like things that I'm like, whoa, whoa. Like look what we're doing. We should be grateful for this opportunity to get to play. We're just we're playing out here and we're getting paid and we're making a movie. How spectacular fun it is it. But like it's mummy resurrected. Don't take it too seriously. Well see that's the thing though. Like that's what would blow my mind is even if like what you're talking about is like an actual project. I'm talking about like even behind the scenes. Like I love my one friend 
to death. He's a great editor, but man, mm. kids got some ego. Like yeah. as an editor, it's like you're not even on. Ki- but his stuff is really good, and sometimes I hated how good he was. And, right. and I didn't. And you can't take you know, that away from people. Honestly, I know. It's like that's what I said earlier. Like the, that early twenty arrogance. If you can hold on to a glimmer of that, it just it's just really hard because career beats you up, life beats you up, um, rent beats you up, paying money, worrying about check to check. It's it's really disheartening to keep following what you love. Uh, so for me, like I, I look at those people that have such ego and I'm like kind of taken back. It's not how I want to behave, but sometimes I'm like, I know that ego has gotten them at the right place and booked great jobs because of it. You know, can't take that away from them. Yeah. And it's also based out of insecurity too. So anytime I see, I've, well, first of all, I just need to walk away because I, I, it's all over my yeah. face. So even if I'm quiet, like you can see the frustration, but that's something you definitely have to deal with in LA. It's just one of those things you can't can't avoid. Right. And so you no have to choose where. how you want to live, you know, and that's like the ultimate. Like for me, I know you, you and I had possibly different uh, opinions leaving Los Angeles, but like I was heartbroken. So for me, how easy it was to move out there to LA, I thought it would be easy when I got an opportunity to move to Florida that for me, it was, I like honestly had probably one of the emotional, most emotional turning point moments in my career where I was like leaving a place that, you know, you always see yourself in a certain situation, right? I always saw myself in New York or Los Angeles. And if I wasn't in those big cities, was I still going to be fulfilled in the same way? And as much as I cried and was upset with leaving Los Angeles, when I started working in Palm Beach with this network, it took me a while, but like this slower pace actually benefited me for like me as a human. I became more calm. It just, I felt better in my soul just to slow down a little and appreciate things in a different way. Uh, Appreciate everything I've done and uh, like looking back and reflecting, but my work pace didn't stop. And that's what made me successful in the market I am in now in Florida. And that, and I, and that's the thing, like, and I hear this all, this is a normal thing too. Like you either love LA or you hate it. Like, and I have explained it to like, we had very different experience. Sounds like your experience was way better. Unfortunately for me, it was not when I left Los Angeles, when I saw the sign, it's actually, yeah. When I saw the sign, when it said, welcome to Arizona, I'm not, the only way I can describe it is if like, I was just baptized. Like I was in, when I left, I was in such a bad place. Like I didn't have, like I had a handful of people who were my core people, but like traveling around so many places, meeting so many different people, it was just, it just wasn't right in my gut. Like I just shouldn't have been there for as long as I was. I was there for about five years. And And there are those signs. What was the moment that you said, I'm moving? Like what, what happened in you to be like, I have to move. I got robbed twice. That's exactly. Uh, yeah. Where uh, you just twi- to be like, excuse me, robbed twice in two weeks. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Yeah. I mean, if, if that isn't a sign from the like GD heavens. Wow. Yeah, that was, trust me, I and I had to like call and like verify to people like it's almost like my I didn't want to believe it because it's like I talked about going to LA so much that like I just built it up and I knew a year in I was like, mm-mm. But like, do you re- but I, my question is to you now, like reflecting back, do you have regrets or do you feel like you learned a lot about yourself or is it still too fresh? No, I'm actually glad you said that because I always tell, because I, if you notice that anytime I get a chance to talk about California, there's nothing positive that comes out of my mouth because I have just a sour taste. However, however, I, it was the best worst experience ever. Like LA kicked me straight in the mouth. But it was like, like I said, I am so humbled by it. Like stuff that used to bother me, just, I mean, you couldn't even phase me. Like tra- people complain about Atlanta or Florida traffic, whatever. It's like right. you have never sat on the 10 or the 405 <laughs> at three o'clock trying to go to Ralph's, okay, to which is a grocery funny? store. This is great. So can I tell him that like piggybacking off of that? Yeah, I yeah. literally told this story. Another funny thing about LA, apartments don't have to come with fridges. Yes. I do. You, did you ever have an apartment that didn't have a fridge? Yeah. No. No. That's the thing. Oh no. Excuse me. Excuse me. No. I was lucky enough. We had. We. I moved a lot, but yeah. we had refrigerators. But yes, I'm glad you brought that up. So there, I didn't yes. have a fridge. And, I, <laughs> I, and I, I. It's funny because I didn't. Wasn't in shock. I was like, okay, just figure this out. And I happened to have a friend that moved trucks on different sets. So one time he was able. He said, "Let me know when I, I'll let you know when I have the wardrobe truck and we can go pick up a fridge for you." And he had where like the truck. What would you call it? In the back 
would uh, to be able to lift something heavy. Oh, like straps or um, like a dolly or something. Like a dolly or a lift gate. Like t- my yeah, boyfriend just way. walked. My boyfriend just walked in to help me with lift gate. If that doesn't say anything, so it's a lift that works. gate. Um, so I, I find this fridge. It's down in like um, where did you say you used to live near the coast? Uh, Huntington. Like Huntington, not Huntington Beach, not that far. Uh, what's out? What's south of Marina Del Rey? Hermosa. So it was about like Hermosa, Hermosa Beach. We were okay. leaving the valley to go there to Hermosa Beach at four or five in the afternoon. It's right? going to take you a good hour and a half, two hours. Brutal, brutal. So we get there. First and foremost, the guy hands me a packet of his of his own written poems. Oh, and, he's, and that's just like like a project that he made in like high school. So I was just loving that. For, and he's like, it was. I was like, okay, great. So you're unique. A lot of unique people out there. And yes. then, uh, and then he said, "You want to see the fridge? The fridge was supposed to be five foot, like five or something." I stood taller than the refrigerator. Gotta I was, love it. We showed up with this huge truck to pick it up. And we were just <laughs> it was crying, like a mini fridge. <laughs> crying, laughing, and my buddy's like, "Should we still take it?" I was like, "Of course, we're taking this." First of all, I love the story of it. It's too funny. And second of all, we drove two hours in this darn truck. We're taking it, and it was my fridge till I moved. From LA, yeah, I, I, I love it. Do you still have it? Do you still no, have it? No, no. Damn. I think I, I must have left it there. Yeah, but did, but I it's did. so weird because yeah, like the traffic, like it's just little stuff like that. Because you just, I'm telling you, is just the most humbling experience leaving. But when I left, it was just. It was seriously like I got bad. Like it was just a, this cleansing feeling yeah. of like, did this weight lifted off? Like, and I'm not a driving per Like I don't like to drive. I mm-hmm. don't, I just, after living in LA, I just hate driving, yeah. but it took me two and a half days. I drove from California to Atlanta. I mean, I was driving third, like it took, it should have taken me probably longer, but I literally just drove. I had a six pack of water. I think I had a box of natural Valley bars and some pumpkin seeds. I literally just stopped to go <laughs> to the do bathroom. This. Yeah. I wanted to get back so bad, but like That's when hysterical. I got, when I got back, I Those got out of the Those are your survival car. foods. Come on now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sunflower but, seeds and, and and breakfast bars. Oh yeah. But that's all I ate. I cuz I didn't want to stop for fast food. I was just like fasting the whole way just taking sips of water like nipping at it. Oh my god, until, that's hysterical. You know, I but just you know wanted what? to get back. No matter what, like there's those moments, the aha moments, like even when I moved to LA to when I moved left LA and everything that you had even though your sounds like good god, I it wasn't as Terrifying. good as yours because every everything was, you tell me about your LA, yeah. but a hundred percent when you left, it was an aha moment, and you you knew in your soul that you needed to change things. And the fact is, is like the moral of the story in life in general is you don't if you feel off and it's not your place, and you charge through and keep charging through, and it doesn't fulfill you. We aren't what's the saying? We're not we're not rooted in. We're not trees. We can we can move, and you can change your life in those circumstances. And it's as easy as just getting a blow up mattress. Yes, which you'll definitely need if you move to LA. Make sure to get a nice one though. Go to like Dick's or something and spend a hundred bucks on one of those good like big oh, ones, yeah. not some uh, like not pool the floaty. That, uh, the ones that by the end of the night, you're like on the ground. <laughs> we, I've had those. I've definitely had those, but I mean, I could, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just an interesting, LA is just an interesting thing. And, and have you also, been back since? No. So I've been no. back. I've been back and it's interesting going back because I've gone there with W. WWE. I've gone there with other hosting jobs that have brought me there. And it's interesting. We're even just like going out with friends and um, how the industry just is constant when you just want to reconnect with and like there's only a you have these conversations and like even sitting at the bar, you hear all the chatter of everybody always talking about the entertainment industry. So it is that bubble where it's hard to say like, what else to you is like fulfilling? What else do you feel uh, like you want to have conversations about? Yeah. But I understand no, I- it. Like we said, it's constant there. Yeah, and it's constant. I'm sure when you go back, it's like Vegas, like it's the exact same. But if somebody were to, it feels busier. You don't think so? It feels busier. I feel like oh for sure. I'm I'm in. It feels like there's more people. Like I remember, I had just did an international tour with with WWE. We were in Germany, and we were flying over the European countryside where it was just grass. And then we landed in Los Angeles. I said, there's no grass other than the hiking areas, which is still like trendy, you know, and busy. But I'm like. 
like these homes are on top of each other side by side there is no natural area within like LA proper other than like the major trails it just feels like I no wonder everything is so expensive it's just so many people in one little place yeah, it's nuts. I, I can only imagine. I'm in no hurry to go back, but yeah. I know at some point my career will probably yeah. guide me back out there. I'm just trying to brace for it. But I mean, I could talk about this stuff for forever, but if somebody were to come up to you and was like, Sarah, I, re- I really want to go to Los Angeles and I really want to do my thing. I think this is my calling. What would be the one and only piece of advice for them? Do it. I had actually someone recently talk to me about questioning it. Do it. I It was exactly what I needed at that time. And man, am I proud of it, excited by it. And I love telling stories about it. It shaped who I was. And there are lows and there were highs and everything in between. But th- that's career. And But that's also life. I also think going, like I said, in like your mid-20s to late 20s, where you understand it's not just we, we're having fun, we're doing what we love. It's a business. You have to have yourself together um, that you don't get taken up by the excitement and the sparkling lights and the parties. You need to know who you are in your core. And for me, like the more I was there, when I hit 30, I knew it as well. Like that's when I knew who I was and was able to bring that into every audition, but also to continue my business connections. But number one, and without a doubt, if somebody wants to do it, just do it. People don't do what they want enough in that kind of situation. They dream and dream and dream, but don't just dream. You're capable and you could figure it out. That's what I would say. Don't don't hesitate. Go for it. Because you, uh, Despite the different experiences you and I had, it did shape us where we are now and gives me the ability to succeed uh, in a different market as well because I learned a lot of skills there that um, I think I couldn't have just le- learned being stagnant in one place. It's great advice. And uh, where, if people want to, if people want to find you uh, on the interwebs, where can they find you? Those interwebs? Well, primarily, I do a lot of uh, Instagramming. Would be my number one thing. I would say it's at Sarah Schreiber. Uh, you could follow stuff on my website. I very I update that very minorly, just like resume real stuff. But that's sarahschreiber.com. Twitter, um, at Sarah Schreiber. Uh, no, no, it's not at Sarah Schreiber. That's the whole problem is I couldn't find my, get my name. At Sarah Schreib, S-A-R-A-H-S-C-H-R-E-I-B. <laughs> but, <laughs> I was going to um, say, it's somebody in LA who took it. I bet you a million dollars. Yeah, uh. I primarily do Instagram. And I would say that's the best place to find anything that's that's going down and happening <laughs> in my life. But, you know, I just want to wish everybody good health and, and uh, stay patient and stay positive And we shall persevere because I love alliterations. Love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And I would love your help. This podcast is brand new, so I need all the help I can get. If you would, just subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating. I really, really would appreciate it. And last but not least, I got a little something for you. For the last 10 years, I have been writing, shooting, producing, editing my own video to get my dream job as an entertainment reporter in Los Angeles interviewing the stars. Now, that might not be your dream, but if you are in this industry and you are in this field, you are going to need to learn how to write, shoot, and edit, produce your own content. And now I want to personally train you on these skills so you can create your own journey and make money while doing so. So what I want you to do now is log on to Facebook and request to be in my private Facebook group, On Camera Professionals. Once again, it is called On Camera Professionals. But wait, Thomas, I really like your stuff. I really want to learn from you, but I don't want to be on camera. Don't worry. I got you covered. In this group, I'm going to be doing a live training, so that means live tips and tricks. I'm going to do giveaways, freebies, and I'm also going to do personalized training. So once again, log on to Facebook and type in On Camera Professionals, and I'll see you there.